Here's an oldie but a goodie from the archives from the Side Hustle Show Greatest Hits Collection. What's up? What's up, Nick? Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because a masterpiece of life is built on top of masterpiece days, on top of masterpiece moments. To help us build more of those masterpiece days and work toward being the best versions of ourselves in our life and work starting today, here's Brian Johnson. Brian's a serial entrepreneur who combines ancient wisdom with modern science to help people live their best lives. You'll find him at optimize.me, the app version of which has lived on the home screen of my phone for the past few years, ever since my brother introduced me to his work. This is an episode about taking a break from chopping down trees to sharpen the saw. This is about the seemingly small actions you can take on a daily basis to get from where you are to where you want to be. Notes and links to all the resources mentioned are at sidehustlenation.com slash optimize. While you're there, be sure to download my free printable habit tracker checklist that I created with some suggestions from Brian from this call, from myself, and there's also some space in there for you to fill in the blanks with the habits that you most want to track as well. That's at sidehustlenation.com slash optimize, or you can grab that through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Your path to masterpiece days starts with a clarifying exercise. Ready? Let's do it. I think we all need to say, like, what do I really want in my life? What's really important to me? What's my, as I would say, your wildly important target? And I lean a lot on ancient wisdom and then modern science. And they'll all tell us that we're teleological, we're goal-driven beings. So in order to have the clarity on what we want to do on a day-to-day basis, I think we need to have a clear picture of what we're going after in our lives. And when we have a deep yes to a really important goal, then it becomes a lot easier to say no to a lot of the distractions that can get in the way. And especially as you're saying, you know, as we're doing things, perhaps in addition to our full-time normal life, we need to be that much more disciplined in how we approach our days. But that requires a lot more clarity on what we actually want. Yeah. Is there an exercise or a framework that you like to help facilitate or help people find what that deep rooted why or goal is, is I'm, I find myself and my wife and I have had this conversation lately. It's like, you know, if tomorrow looked like today, if next year looked like last year, like that would be okay. You know, I don't know. We, we don't have this huge, like grand vision. And then that causes some level of anxiety. Like, well, are we just going through the motions? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, we can do negative goals. I can picture very clearly what I don't want. Like, I would never want to go back to a commute and this corporate lifestyle and all of that. Like, it's easier to do that than to say, like, I'm pretty grateful for what I have. I don't know. I'm just curious what, if you found anything helpful to help people really identify that one, three, five-year vision for what they want their lives to look like. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations. And we need to be grateful for what we have in our lives. We need to celebrate what we have in our lives. And I would offer you're in the rare few who can really say, wake up and say, you know what? I feel really blessed to do what I do. And it's really important that we're grateful for that. We celebrate that. And all of us have a certain starting point from which we want to have that gratitude and that celebration and feel blessed to even be alive and even have the spaciousness to be in a dialogue like this. So I think we always start there. And then the question is, well, what do you want? If you could wave a wand 
and create your ideal life, what would it look like? And then again, we can translate that back into a masterpiece day, which is exactly how I start that process, by the way. I have you wave a wand. If you could wave a wand within the constraints of your reality, we're not talking about being ridiculous here, within the constraints of your reality. I got two kids, I've got 24 hours in a day, you know, I've got an aura sleep score I want to maintain. You know, like there's certain constraints that I use wisely. But I think that too few of us take the time to actually ask ourselves what we really want. And we're too busy reacting to the latest news cycle and the echo chamber of whatever's going on that we haven't actually slowed down long enough to hang out with that best version of ourselves. I call it a daimon and actually ask ourselves, well, what do I really want? And I would offer that when we slow down long enough to ask that question, there's interesting things that arise. And with anything, you got to show up and kind of chip away at it to get more and more clarity. And science says this is really important. To look forward three to five years is one of their exercises called a best selves diary. If you looked forward three to five years, what would your life look like? That cultivates your hope muscles, right? Which is one of the most important things we can cultivate. And then get that sense. And then you back it up to today. And it's simple, not easy, but simple, you know, strategic thinking to say, well, what do I need to do? If that's my target, what do I need to start doing on a daily basis in order to have a shot at hitting that? Always with the gratitude and the celebration that you're describing. And did you get folks in your program or otherwise who set these really, maybe their three to five year goal looks dramatically different from life today. And it's like, awesome. That's a great target to choose for. That's an awesome vision to have. But then something gets broken in the reverse engineering of where like, I don't know the next action step. I don't know how to boil it down to what do I do today to start climbing that mountain? Where I start is something I call eudaimonology. Eudaimonology is the study of a good soul, and I can chat more about that. But most people are playing the wrong game. Most people are playing the I want to get rich, famous, and hot game. But science is unequivocal. Good luck with that. In achieving that and feeling great about your life and actually experiencing the thing you really want, which is a sense of deep abiding joy and happiness and flourishing. So I, I kind of wake people up and step us back from our current culture and I bring in Aristotle and Martin Seligman very briefly. And I ask him, hey, guys, what's the point of life? Aristotle tells us it's to live with what he calls eudaimonia, which literally means good soul, to high five, as I like to say, that best version of you. I ask, okay, well, how do you achieve that? He was unequivocal, live with virtue. It's not achieving some material goal. It's being the best version of yourself right now in this moment. And if you can more consistently do that, you're going to feel great. And then science shows you're also more likely to achieve the actual goals you want to set for yourself. Anyway, modern science says the same thing. Martin Seligman founded the entire positive psychology movement on these ideas. The English translation of eudaimonia is the name of his book, Flourish. You ask him, how do I flourish? He'll tell you, put your virtues in action. Live with wisdom and self-mastery and courage and love and hope and gratitude and curiosity and zest. So when I help people create a masterpiece day, I start with virtue. I start with the ancient virtues, the modern science, and then we go from there. So you can win that game moment to moment to moment to moment. I feel like there's a lot of different directions that we could go on that. I'm curious about maybe the 80-20 on living with virtue or the um, maybe there's a lever or two or three out of all of those different virtues that you have found to make the biggest impact either in your life or the lives of your students? 
Yeah, I mean, there's three virtues that science has shown are most highly correlated with well-being or flourishing. Number one is zest, which is a weird word for energy, right? So if you're feeling lethargic and you can't get out of bed in the morning because you didn't get a good night of sleep, good luck with everything else, which is why my entire work begins with energy. Then I help people apply it to their work and then to their love. You do that via things like eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, focusing your attention, et cetera. We call those our fundamentals. And again, in the beginning of the year, people are setting New Year's resolutions. Good time to check in on those things. What are you doing that's working? What are you doing that needs work? Get on that. But zest is surprisingly the number one virtue most highly correlated with your well-being. So I stress that way more than anything else. The other two positive psychologists arm wrestle on, you know, which one is the number two? Some say it's hope. And I can, we can talk about the science of that, which is really important. And others say it's gratitude, which you already demonstrated in our call today. Being grateful for the blessings you already have in your life. Entitled people take things for granted. Grateful people take them as granted. Grateful people are happier. They're more productive. They get better sleep. They're just happier human beings. Hope is actually probably the one we want to talk about the most today because this is it. It's seeing a better future. There's three elements to the science of hope briefly. One, a hopeful person sees a future they're excited about. They have a target or a goal they're working toward. Two, they have a sense of agency, which is science speak for confidence they could achieve that outcome. And three, they have a plan or a pathway, and they know they're going to have to take multiple pathways to get there. So they call it goal thinking, agency thinking, pathways thinking. I focus ruthlessly on those three virtues and help people operationalize that in their day-to-day lives systematically. Um, And again, we can go in any number of directions based on that, but that's some of the way that I try to concretize what otherwise could be pretty abstract. This is very good. Like the the fundamentals, eating, moving, sleeping, lots of, uh, of course, New Year's resolutions surrounding those. And don't make the common mistake of like, okay, I'm going to, this is the year, you know, I'm going to have to get up at 5am and I'm going to run five miles and I'm going to meditate and journal and I'm going to make this healthy smoothie. And it's like, okay, after two days, you're like, well, that's, that's just not realistic. It's too many changes all at once. And it's just not going to happen. But mastering the fundamentals, giving yourself the best chance to have energy in your days, have zest in your days. And this is common amongst side hustle nation. Like if your day job leaves you drained and, and mentally exhausted, physically exhausted at the end of the day, you're going to have to shift things around and prioritize your side hustle work first thing in the morning before you kind of get into that state. So make sure you're putting your best energy towards your most important work there. This hope element, actually gratitude for a second is something that we can all practice and have that actually worked into my daily progress journal as like, this is something that, you know, is a, again, science-backed habit that is critically important. Reflect on, you know, what went well? What are you grateful for? Because it's not all bad. It's not all bad out there. But this hope thing, I really like this. So number one, a future that you're excited about. Number two, confidence in your ability to achieve that future. That's hopefully what 400 plus episodes of this have shown you. Hey, if other people can do it, you can do it too. And then a plan how to get there. And I think this is where a lot of people get stuck. It's easy to paint this painted picture vision and say, this is what I want. And I'm confident if I only had the plan, if I only had the great idea, I'm really confident I could get there. So let's talk about that planning phase for for a little bit. How do you go about structuring that plan and helping people with their first steps? Love it. And great recap and excited to go there. So again, a good plan starts with a very clear target. We can sometimes think that we have a clear target that we don't. 
right? And Stephen Covey talked about this. He's like, a lot of people fault themselves in their discipline, but the reality was they actually didn't know what they really wanted. And when you get to a place where you've reached what, you know, a chemist would call activation energy point, you know, like a fire, you know, you need to rub sticks together or whatever you're using to, to spark something. It needs to get to 451 degrees, right? Nothing happens at, at 400 degrees, 425 degrees. It's 451 degrees. If you want to boil water, it's 212 degrees. You have to get to the activation energy point. So again, a lot of people fault themselves on an inability to plan. I would offer, yes, we got to talk about that. But first, I want to know what your truly soul aching goal is. Because for example, I don't waste a second a day on distractions. And it's easy for me. You know, I don't read the news digitally. I read The Economist once a week. Because I have a lot more important goals than keeping up on the latest echo chamber nonsense that's going on in the circus that is our current political and other environment. I don't need, I know it's a joke. Let me get to work on what I've said is most important. So it's very easy. As Covey would say, when I have a really deep yes, it's easy for me to say no to silly things. When we talk about masterpiece days, I go to bed at 7 p.m., tuck the kids in, I'm in bed two hours after the sun sets. I get up at 4 a.m. after nine hours in bed. My aura sleep score is my most important metric for my business, 88 last night, average of 90 last month, right? And then I've got three hours of deep work before the family even gets up. And I don't go online and read news. I don't go online and check my email. I do what's most important for me right now. And again, that's some of how we architect a masterpiece day, especially if you're side hustling. And you've decided that getting that side hustle to potentially an all-in hustle, you better be getting a good night of sleep and deciding you're more interested in crushing it than you are in watching pseudo heroes on TV and getting a bad night of sleep, waking up late, tired, then rushing to work. Come on, we got to architect a better day. I want to touch on this energy activation point because I think this was really important. I was talking with a friend of mine who's a personal fitness trainer and I asked him, you know, what separates the people who actually stick with it, actually get results. And he was, you know, what's funny? He's like, it's the people who have hit rock bottom and have said, no, this is not my life. This is not who I am. It's like this flip of the switch identity habit. You got to want it. If it's just like, ah, you know, I'm, I feel pretty healthy. I feel good in my days, but I would love to be five pounds light. Like that's not strong enough. Like that's not going to motivate you. And same thing on the side hustle front. You really got to want it. And almost by definition, right? Another friend put it this way. It was like, if you don't have, or you're not seeing the results that you want, then you don't want it bad enough. And it was like, in a way it kind of, it kind of hits you like, well, that's kind of frou-frou a little, a little bit, but it's like, well, there's obviously something missing because I have not taken the necessary actions at that point. So you got to want it getting to that energy activation point, whatever that means for you. Let's talk about stacking up some of these uh, marginal wins, limiting distractions, building this masterpiece day from, uh, you know, maybe not from the 4am alarm clock, but whatever is realistic for you, and maybe even starting it the night before. But let's talk about what that looks like in your life and how other people may go about architecting that. I like that phrase. If you're serious about wanting that thing, then every single moment of your life should be directed to that. And is that intense? Yeah, of course, that's intense, but it depends on what you want. If you want lukewarm goals then show up with lukewarm energy, if you want world class goals, and you truly want to see what you're capable of, then set the goal that's worthy of you. And we can talk about how to make sure it's realistic, et cetera, which is important. Um, and then demand the best from yourself. Show up like a world-class performer. Now, for me, when I teach how to architect an ideal day, and the way I do it personally is, your day started the night before. So most people think their day started at 6, 7, 8 a.m. 
I strongly disagree. Your day started the night before. If you decided to stay up until 11 or 12 or 1 a.m. watching whatever it is you watch or doing whatever it is you do, good luck waking up without an alarm early after a solid eight hours of sleep, feeling energized and ready to go crush it. So we got to back it up and say, well, how did you end your day? So I end my day at, at, depending on the season, but call it 5 p.m., right? 5 p.m., 5.30, I'm, I'm shutting down, I'm transitioning to family time. And literally, I go to bed with the kids. The kids go to bed at 6.45, 7.15, that's when I go to bed. What else am I going to do? Am I going to go watch TV? No, I've decided that I don't want to watch a hero. I want to be the hero of my life. So I go to bed at 7, right? And again, my day started right then. It actually started when I turned off my email for the last time. I turned off my phone an hour before I wanted to go to bed so the blue light wasn't jacking up my cortisol and reducing the melatonin. All obvious stuff that we know, but we got to put into practice. Can we pause there? Tell me about this this shutdown routine, uh, specifically from work and this transition to family time. Yeah. So very briefly, I focus on the big three, energy, work, and love right? So you got to get your energy dialed in so you can show up powerfully in your work and your love. Freud said, that's what a good life is, work and love. I say yes and energy. So my work is very important to me. My love is very important to me. And frankly, nothing outside of those things is very important to me. Now, friends fall into love, et cetera, but nonsense doesn't fall under that. It's not energy, work, love, and stupid things, you know? So inspired in part by Cal Newport, who's one of my favorite writers and a dear friend. He's got what he calls a shutdown complete ritual. So you got to decide when your workday ends. It can't flood over into your entire life. And you get more done, paradoxically, when you have less time. So I became more productive when I became a dad because I couldn't waste time anymore, right? So all of a sudden, I got to use every minute of my day more wisely than I did before. Then I also want to recover, And it doesn't take too much deep thinking to realize that if I work until right the minute before I go to bed, I'm not going to sleep well. I mean, that's not rocket science, you know? And I can look at the data from my aura ring and just common sense and realize, oh, I need a ramp down period. So what I teach and what I practice is shut down at whatever time it is for you, commit to being the last time you look at an email or or do whatever you do work-wise, then fully transition from work to love deep work to deep love, as I call it. And then you're fully present with your kids. The phone's locked up wherever it needs to be locked up. So you can be mindful, you can be present. And then you're getting the benefit of disconnecting from work and recovering from that. And the benefit of being present for your family and your kids, which you say is important. So you might as well practice that. And then you've got this virtuous cycle happening and you make the connection between those decisions and waking up without an alarm after nine hours in bed, feeling great. For me, it's at 4 a.m. And that's, I realize, ridiculous. And most people will not choose to go to bed at 7. Perfect. Use whatever is best for you, but get clear on it. And again, have that target that drives you. Know that this isn't a dress rehearsal and that you don't have an infinite amount of time to actually figure out what you're capable of in life, and then organize your life accordingly. And that's some of the ways that I do it and what I what I teach people to do. And very importantly, intermittent fasting is a pretty exciting and popular thing. And science shows that if you don't give yourself a 14-hour window between your last meal and your first meal of the day, 14 hours between your last meal and your first meal, you significantly increase your risk of getting cancer. We did not evolve to eat all day, every day. I would offer you need to have an intermittent fast from technology. So turn off your technology. For me, it's it's called 5 p.m. Okay. And I don't turn it back on until about 7 a.m. And again, I get up at 4 a.m. So I've already put in one, two, three hours of deep work before I have inputs. Because I know that 
you know, I'm stressing this because when we talk masterpiece days, I would offer you want to shut down at a reasonable time, get a good night of sleep, and then don't squander your best energy in the morning on nonsense. Don't roll over and check the news or check your latest feed of whatever. Go deep on your side hustle or on whatever you said was most important, strategizing about what your side hustle might be or how you're going to transition, et cetera. Cal Newport calls that deep work. He says it is simultaneously more rare and more valuable. Fewer people are doing it, and those who do are worth a lot more. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, the deep work thing is so incredibly important and increasingly difficult to come by in a lot of cases. I remember this being a source of frustration early on in the pandemic where, you know, I've been used to working at home, been doing this for a dozen years, but I wasn't used to doing it with so much other uh, company along that. I used to do it with an empty house. And all of a sudden it was like, I just need to think, I just need to focus. And it was really hard to find that time until we found kind of a routine that worked a little bit there. And same thing, like you have the most control over what you've called the bookends of your days. First thing in the morning, last thing before bed, make sure you are filling those with your priorities and you kind of vote your priorities with your time. And if that's Netflix, like that's fine, no judgment. But my guess is that's not going to get you closer to that five-year vision. Yeah, I'm not as bashful offering some judgment. (laughs) It wouldn't be personally, it would be you check in. Is that really consistent? With what you want to do, do you want to look back in in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, God willing, and 
to have a screen show you how many minutes you spent watching other people's pseudo heroes, you know, like, I, I don't know about that. Like, that's it. I take that really, really seriously. And in the class that you mentioned, the Masterpiece Days 101, it's today's the day. At some point, we need to realize that today's the day to actually put into practice the things we say we believe in. And again, it's all good. And none of us are perfect. I'm not trying to pretend that I am in any way, but I'm committed. When I fall short, I recommit, right? I dial the heat back up and see where I might be out of integrity with what I say is important to me. And I get a little better when I fall short rather than shaming myself, which is a really important part of cultivating the self-mastery you know, to actually be able to engage in these habits more consistently. How do you use BJ Fogg's tiny habits, James Clear's atomic habits, all the other wisdom on there on the science and art of installing great habits, which is the most important skill we could possibly learn hands down such that we don't need to think about it. So I'm not thinking about these things. When I interviewed Roy Baumeister, the author of Willpower, who literally wrote the book on basically this idea, he said that willpower exemplars play offense, not defense. They've pre-committed. They've already decided they're not going to check their email when they get up in the morning. So they don't have to negotiate with themselves. They've already decided that they're going to go to bed at a certain time and they're not going to do this and they are going to do that. They've, they've created these bright line pre-commitments and then they've done them consistently enough that their basal ganglia takes over and it runs on autopilot. And, and seriously, that's like the ultimate game is how do we do that such that we aren't thinking about it? We're not wasting brain cells in the morning wondering what we're going to do. We've written the algorithm. If I wake up, then I'm going to do this, this, and this. Again, within the constraints of our reality, kids, pandemics, whatever. You, you adjust, you get more clarity, then you recommit to what the next level ideal is. But it comes back to intensity. It's intensity and urgency is a big theme in the Masterpiece Day too. Most people think someday I'll do this. John Wooden, the Masterpiece Day, this moment is the moment that you need to show up as that best version of yourself. Never perfectly, but hopefully more and more consistently. Right. Not a New Year's resolution, a new moment resolution. Like if it's worth doing, isn't it worth doing now, today? I find myself, uh, you know... Uh, why not just start this on Monday? Or why not just start this after the holidays? Like, no, if it's really that important, why not start it now? I can resonate with that. And then to go back to something you said earlier about, it's not about this, 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 and this. On one level, yes, you do want to blow up your prior life if it's not working and recreate a new one. But I would offer you want to identify the thing that you think would have the most impact. What's the habit that if you started doing it would have the most positive change in your life? And then also, what's the habit that you need to stop doing that if you stop doing it would have the most positive impact in your life? And then you want to know that the fastest way to boost your life isn't actually to start something new. It's to stop doing the thing that's completely throwing you off track. It's the kryptonites from the, um, the class again, a big theme in my work. What's your kryptonite? For me, it was blowing myself up at night with digital stimulation. And I found that I used to do that on the days I was most stressed when I could least afford to do it was the day that I would just try to numb myself a bit, you know, watching whatever and just trying to check out. I deserved it, et cetera. But then that led to a poor night of sleep, which led to a vicious cycle. And when I stopped doing that, suddenly I demonstrated some self-mastery, which is always powerful, gave myself a shot at having a better night of sleep. So I woke up feeling more refreshed and I turned the vicious cycle into a virtuous cycle Rather than going negative one, I went plus one. And I knew I was the kind of person that could do that in a new habit. And again, that's the kind of self-efficacy and 
agency and confidence we want to build in ourselves. Yeah, I like that reframe. You know, what's this keystone habit, both positive and negative? What small thing can you start doing? What small thing can you stop doing? And I'm trying to think of an example because it's been years and years since I had any significant like news reading habit. But that was definitely one that was, it it was kind of a little bit of a challenge to eliminate because it was so well ingrained. Like these are the websites that I checked as I'm starting my day. It's like, why does this serve me in any way? Like whatever happened doesn't make any meaningful impact on me today and what I need to get done. And so cutting that out was helpful. What was for you with the most important positive habit that you flipped? Well, I like your, I share the negative one. My number one plus thing was I doubled my meditation. So I have meditated every day for the better part of 14 years now. I missed one day and I doubled it. What happened on that one day? I'm curious. Just like it was super funny, dude. I had a meeting that I had to get to LA for. And so I didn't have time or didn't make the time, I should say, more accurately in the morning. And then I totally forgot about it. And I woke up the next day and I literally went through like the cycles of grief. You know, I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, I blew my streak. And then I've studied with S.N. Guenka. His mantra is start again, start again. So you start again. You fall off. Perfect. Start again. Start a new street. That was probably 10 years ago now. Okay. (laughs) You know, but I used to meditate like 25, 30 minutes a day. I doubled that. So I went from being a philosopher hermit to being a really engaged startup entrepreneur again, a CEO. And I knew the number one thing I had to do as I got back into email, I was out of email forever. I didn't use my smartphone almost ever. So I got back in and I knew I needed to ground myself in the midst of pushing really hard. I'm raising money right now, as you and I chatted about, I'm going hard. So the number one thing I did was I doubled my meditation, right? So I went from 30 minutes to an hour, AM and PM, and then I increased it a little bit more. And now it's an hour in the morning. So I wake up, meditate for an hour, and then I boom, hit it. That is why I'm sleeping better than ever, working harder than ever. So that was my number one new keystone habit. You know, it's fun because you just have the opportunity. You're never there. There's no there there. And when you're playing a big enough game, there's an opportunity to stretch yourself, challenge yourself. And again, it's like a world-class athlete. The best practice the fundamentals with more precision than anyone else. One of my favorite stories just to playfully shared in this context is by a a friend of mine who wrote a book who talks about um, Alan Stein called Raise Your Game. He talks about he worked in a camp with Kobe Bryant once. He said, hey, Kobe, can I watch you practice? And Kobe said, yeah, that'd be awesome. Come meet me at four. He's like, four? We got our camp at four. And Kobe's like, 4 a.m. I was like, oh, I got it. Okay, 4 (laughs) a.m., right? Now, this is when Kobe's at the peak. He's the best in the NBA, right? So he shows up at four. Kobe's already drenched in sweat. Who knows what time he showed up? And what blew him away, though, was Kobe was running, uh, and I have goosebumps right now as I start to say it. Kobe was doing drills by himself that Alan says you learn in fifth grade. The most basic, fundamental drills, dribbling and shooting and and cutting and whatever, right? And so he watches him and he's like, kind of can't believe it, right? And he goes up to him afterwards. He's like, Kobe you're the best in the world, dude. Like, what are you doing, doing those drills, you know? And he says that you should know that he did them with surgical precision. I mean, it was like insane, but they were the most basic drills ever. And Kobe does his little laugh and he says, why do you think I'm the best in the world? (laughs) You know, and there's this naivete that we think that world-class performers somehow got there and then they somehow don't need to do the things that got them there. But the Tom Brady's of the world, the Kobe Bryant's of the world, the LeBron James's of the world, the people that I aspire to be like, you know, in whatever sense, 
they're more committed to their fundamentals the higher they go. And so we need to identify our fundamentals. And there are the, there's the general universal ones of eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, etc. Then there's the unique ones to my craft and my profession and to yours and to anyone who's listening. And you got to take the time in deep work to get clear on them. Then you got to decide, are you at are you tepid at 102 degrees and giving yourself a high five for getting it to a low, you know, a warm, nice temperature? Or are you all in at 212 degrees, Kobe Bryant style? Because if so, you make decisions. And I'm going to continue for a moment longer. GSP, arguably the greatest MMA fighter, George St. Pierre, right? He was a garbage man when he was a young man. And he decided that he was going to be the best in the world at his craft, mixed martial arts. He told his dad that and his dad laughed. He's like, are you crazy? And he's like, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the best in the world at fighting, welterweight, whatever. And then he said he needed to make decisions. He didn't make sacrifices. He made decisions. He decided that he wasn't going to go party with his boys anymore because he had to be at the gym training for the first of third times that day, you know, and then he didn't do this and he didn't do that. But those weren't sacrifices. Those were decisions. Pick your favorite hero. Look at them. What they have in common is they're masters of the fundamentals. No, this is really good. I love that frame of decisions, not sacrifices, because it certainly can feel like you're giving up something that previously gave you these dopamine rushes. And it feels like, especially, you know, for me, as it relates to food or uh, social media, where it's like, you know, it feels good in the near term to scroll through, see what everybody is, is up to, have that donut, whatever it may be. But then long term, you're like, what was that for? Like, that doesn't serve me. That doesn't serve me where I want to go. So my brother put it this way. Yes, I want that in the moment, but I also want this, or I want this more. I want this instead. And hopefully that other want is tied to your, your longer term goal. I'm trying to think of most important positive habits that I've developed, you know, one eating well, like just treating your body well. There's a line, I want to say it's in the one thing where it's like, if you don't take care of your body, where are you going to live? Which I, that one has stuck with me over the years. So there's that, like for me, some sort of movement or high intensity exercise first thing in the morning, it's hard. It's It doesn't feel like something I want to roll out of bed and get done, especially in the winter months, but I feel better the rest of the day having done that. And then work-wise, what's been really helpful, like the night before is itemizing out, this is kind of part of my shutdown routine, itemizing out the top three priorities for the next day. So there isn't this kind of like ramp up period. Oh, what am I going to work on today? Like, no, you know exactly what you need to do and trying to tackle those in proactive mode before diving into reactionary mode on what, you know, what else is the world demanding of you? Brian, I'm curious what those first three hours in the morning look like for you before the rest of the world is getting up. Those three hours started the night before because I don't like feeling sluggish. I want to feel energized when I wake up. No alarm, 4 a.m.-ish, whatever, give or take. I shut down early, digital sunset, early bed, boom. Okay, then the first three hours are the same in, in sequence and they've changed a little bit in timing, but it's, you know, whatever, morning hygiene, supplements, blah, blah, blah. And then I meditate. That used to be for about 25 minutes, now it's for an hour. So boom, just dropping in and I do a certain meditation practice. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. 
Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. Ands.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Can I ask you something? Sorry to interrupt, but like... I've struggled with meditation for years and I say struggle like, and I've never really prioritized making it a dedicated habit. Like I've, I have not developed the identity of a meditator because, well, I'm not going to make an excuse, but like I have a hard time sitting there and despite all of the science and body of research and evidence that like, this is like measurably beneficial for you to do in a lot of ways. I can't help but thinking like, there's got to be something better to be doing with my time than just sitting there. And you, for you to be running this company and to be dedicating an hour of your day to doing it like that, I don't know, how did you get over that mental hurdle of like, this is something I really need to prioritize? I love it. And you frame that so perfectly. The Dalai Lama comes to mind. He's like, when I'm too busy to meditate, I meditate twice as long. What are you trying to do? Am I, am I trying to be a rat, just kind of bouncing from stimuli to stimuli, or am I trying to lead? And I, I want to change the world. I mean, the vision with what I'm creating right now is I want to change the world, one person at a time, together, starting with you and me today. Now, to be worthy of leading at the magnitude I want to lead, I need to be connected to something bigger than myself. So to me, there's all the obvious benefits, and the science shows that if you meditate for 15 minutes, you get an instant ROI because you fall asleep 15 minutes faster. So you're actually not wasting time. If the story is I'm wasting time, then the answer to that is unequivocal science-wise that you're not. You're getting an instant ROI today. The 15 minutes will be repaid tonight by falling asleep. Science says on average, 15 minutes faster than those who don't. Why is that? Because the reason you have problems falling asleep or that you wake up in the middle of the night, if you do, is because you have an out-of-control mind. And it's running around from stimuli to stimuli to stimuli. You haven't learned how to ground your mind at will, which is the other benefit of meditation, that, you know, I want to approach problems with the strongest mind I possibly can. And so even when you playfully said, and we can talk about the details, well, I'm not good at meditation. Well, are you good at lifting heavy weights? 
No, it feels hard when you lift heavy weights. It should. It's called resistance training. When you go hit on yourself, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. But you haven't been taught properly that it's exactly the same thing when you're meditating. When your mind wanders and you pull it back to this moment in your anchor, whatever it is for you, that was a rep. And you literally just strengthen your mind the same way I do 100 burpees a day, 11 at a time. Every single one of those, I'm getting a little bit stronger. I'm maintaining my strength. When I meditate, I know unequivocally that I am training the most important muscle in quotes in my body, which is my mind. Can I put my mind where I want, when I want, for how long I want, and then take it off and put it on the next thing that's most important? There's no greater skill in life than that, particularly for those of us who aspire to do great things. And I, I have internalized that. That's 212 degrees, 451 degrees for me. And then I've structured my life around it. And frankly, I'm astonished that I just dialed up my work life. I used to have nothing in my calendar. I was literally a hermit. And now I have no room in my calendar. I'm on a call all day, every day. I'm raising 11 million bucks, building a startup. I've never been more intense. And I've never slept better in my life. It shouldn't be the case. So when I saw that data come in, I literally was flirting with the idea of meditating more. And I'm like, oh my God, instant ROI. First of all, I spend no time on news and I literally waste precisely zero seconds a day. So we all have time. And people who say, I don't have time to meditate, perfect. Let me follow you around for a day. And let's keep track of how you're spending your time. And the issue isn't that you don't have time. The issue is that you haven't internalized that goal that you said was important to you and then shown up with the Kobe Bryant level of intensity that demands the best from you so you easily say no, say no to the nonsense. And I don't care who you are. We can find two, five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 60 minutes that we can reallocate to what I would offer is the most important thing you can do, which is get your mind right. And again, that translates into immediate gains in your calmness, your confidence, your energized tranquility, your ability to show up and meet challenges with a clear mind, your ability to fall asleep faster and sleep deeper. And again, flipping the switch from a fight or flight stress sympathetic response to a parasympathetic response, which is what you're training when you meditate. Anyway, I, I've internalized all those benefits. And then, but I still only did 25 minutes. I didn't do it in the PM. And then I made the connection. I teach my eight-year-old, make the connection. When you eat this, you feel like that. He doesn't like getting sick. And so we can connect this and that, and he makes the connection. So, you know, I would challenge anyone listening who is up for it, swap out Netflix for 15 minutes of, of quiet time. Even doesn't even need to be meditation. And then measure your sleep qualitatively or quantitatively with your aura ring or whatever you may use. And you tell me. And then decide, does that help you achieve the thing you said was most important or not? And we kind of go from there. No, this is, I really appreciate you sharing that because I, I need to have a, a strong take on that. Like, no, it's not wasting time. It's the most important thing. Yeah, no, no, all good. But of course, we all have that story, you know? Okay, so following the meditation practice in the morning, what comes next? Yeah, great way to bring us back. Then I do a quick opening series, kind of movement, stretching, et cetera, for like five, 10 minutes. I do my first set of 11 burpees. So I've done 100 burpees a day for years now. It's just one of my things, right? And I do it every thousand seconds. So I never sit for longer than a thousand seconds. And I've interviewed the woman that was at NASA when we landed a man on the moon who talks about sedentariness as the new smoking. So I get up. You know, your insulin levels, everything changes if you sit for too long. Well, I'll go back to, to what I do. I meditate and then I do this quick, you know, movement, five minutes, literally, first set of burpees, and then it's deep work. I'm in deep work. I never, ever, ever, but only never allow inputs into my consciousness 
at that moment in time. Because now I've got a good night of sleep. I meditated for, you know, 25 now, it's 60 minutes. My mind is so sharp. I am so connected. And by the way, I spend the last 15 minutes or so of my meditation visualizing what I'm creating. And I see, it's like a movie where they, you know, those cool futuristic things where they just swipe things with their fingers and it kind of moves on that clear screen kind of thing. That's my mind in the last 15 minutes. So not only am I not wasting my time, I'm actually putting it on the most important thing, which I can see strategically what needs to happen. And then I go do that thing. Goosebumps right now in my deep work before I allow any inputs in. I'm going to get to my email. I'm going to get to the reactive stuff, but not until I've gone deep on what I said is most important for me. And then what you can create is crazy. So that's my three hours is meditate and then a little bit of movement um, and then deep work. So is that making cold calls? What does that look like? The rest of the world is, is probably not awake yet. Oh God, no. So then, you know, I'll go one, two hours deep. So we're three hours there. So if I had an hour meditation, right? And then I've got an hour to two of deep work which is what I tend to do. I mean, that's three hours, but I'll go at least an hour in deep work. But then sometimes I need to get in and I need to send some emails or I need to respond to some emails or I need to push some things forward, you know, team-wise. And then I'll do that. And then it's to briefly go to the rest of my day. Then it's check in with the family, connect in different ways. Then I hit the trail and I train. I love that you work out early in the morning. I teach that. You get a 12-hour mood boost. You don't want to work out late in the day. It raises your core body temperature, makes it harder to fall asleep, and you lose the mood boost, et cetera. But then I go from there. But yeah, I don't do anything cold. I've got a community that in terms of fundraising, it's all separate conversation, but it's all our community you know, supporting us. Some people like are in the um, in the side hustle space of like I I can get on board with this you know getting up early and de- dedicating my first hours to my business, but if that involves client conversations and that client isn't at work yet, then it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. So it's like trying to stack up the work that you can do, the deep work that you can do, in the time that you have. Totally. So here's an example of how I approach that. So let's just say you need to send an email, right? And you know, you need to draft an important email to a prospective investor or a partner or a client, right? So obviously phone calls, if you're getting up early, like, like I do, then aren't going to happen. One of the things, so there's two things to think about there. Draft your email in deep mode. Do not go into your email to draft the email because then you just got blown up with 20 emails in there that are going to hook your attention and you're going to quickly go into reactive. So open up a text file or I use Dropbox paper for a lot of stuff. You can be offline doing this. I unplug my Wi-Fi at night, by the way, and I don't plug it back in until I'm ready to get to either deep or reactive work, just out of principle to say I'm shut down, I'm, I'm not coming back to you until after I do what I need to do. But you can draft those emails in deep mode. And I would encourage you to draft them in deep mode. I do like these voice memos for my team. So I use something called Just Press Record is the name of the app. I'll record a little voice memo, you know, whether it's 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes while in deep mode and save it. Then when I come online, I'll text message that or email it as appropriate. And so I'm moving the ball forward but I want to be creative before I'm reactive. Same exact letters, creative, reactive. Huge difference in value created in the world, depending on where you spend the bulk of your time. And again, this is Stephen Covey, second quadrant, what's important, not urgent. This is how you build enterprise value in a business. It's how you build a side hustle into an all-in hustle. You have to be a professional and you have to show up, again, like you mean it, you know, and like yeah. do it consistently. It can't be once in a while. You know, I like this stuff. I love all these tools as well. I know you mentioned the aura ring a couple times. Anything 
else gadget wise, or just it could be pen and paper tools that you're using to track, measure, appreciate what you got done each day? Anything I can do analog, untech, I do. So I, I love technology. You know, we're connecting right now. Obviously, I run an online business. So technology is an amazing tool. But if I have a choice, I use pen and paper. So I use like this. I'm holding up for um, Nick right now, my journaling this morning. So I start every day with the exact same things. I don't even know what I put on there, what I'm showing you. But I write all in, 101%. 101% is the first thing I write down every morning on a piece of paper. 101%. Which my coach, a guy named Phil Stutz, who wrote a book called The Tools that I highly recommend. He says that you have to go past the point that you think you're capable of going to. And then when you do that, you connect to a force that's bigger than you. This is what a Kobe or a LeBron and these people we admire do. They're intense human beings. So the first thing I write is that every morning, that's a tool for me to journal, to reflect. And then I write down the identities from which I live, right? So I got energy, work, and love. I've got identities for each of them. I'm an athlete. I'm committed to being at that kind of a, I don't train at a world-class level, but that vision of being an athlete. I'm physically engaged in my body. I'm a CEO. I I do a little tweak on that. And then I'd have my love identity. And then I write the virtues I'm going to embody today on that. And then I say what I'm going to do. What's the number one thing I'm going to do today to be in integrity with that identity, energy, work, and love. And again, this is like a cornerstone of all of my teaching in my work with our coaches. I do that every day. And then I have a wall calendar that you can actually, you can't see, but I got a wall calendar that I have just on my PEMF machine back there. And I put down one, 10, a hundred, a thousand, 10,000. I'm going to do one sun salutation every morning, part of my morning movement. I'm going to do 10 pull-ups. I'm going to do a hundred burpees. I'm going to row a thousand meters in my concept too. And I'm going to walk 10,000 steps. And I analog Every single time I hit one of those goals, I cross it off with an X and I say, that's like me. Science says small wins are huge. You need to celebrate it immediately. BJ Fogg, literally get a dopamine hit, not from going to Instagram, but from doing what you said you would do. Literally go yes and have a little celebration every single time you execute. One of the things you said was important to you. So I do that via the calendar. And what we're building, by the way, with Heroic is a social platform that does all of this, that helps you train yourself to embody these virtues, to be that best version of yourself. And every single time you engage in a behavior you want to engage in, you celebrate it in community with other people committed to your values. And it's going to be kind of like a Facebook for people into this stuff that's a training platform that operationalizes all these habits, masterpiece days, et cetera. But anyway, I currently do that offline. Those are huge tools for me. They may sound ridiculous, but that journaling on a daily basis, even just three, five minutes, and then my check-in and the wins on that calendar all day, every day. And this is something I I like these like personal high fives, this mentality, because you got to make it somewhat rewarding for you and notice that you did something right. Like notice the small wins. And we try and do this with the kids as well, like catch them being good kind of a thing where it's easy to be like, dude, stop hitting your brother. It's like, hey, good job not hitting your brother. Like you never, that never comes out of your mouth. So it's trying to catch them being good, trying to catch yourself being good and stacking up those small wins. I love this conversation, Brian. You mentioned heroic, that's at heroes.us. What's going on over there? 
Yeah, so we've got Optimize. So Optimize is where I've spent the last, you know, five, 10 years. We've got a, a core wisdom membership that your brother turned you on to where I created something called Philosopher's Notes, hundreds of them. And then we also have a mastery series and coach program where we've trained nearly 3,000 coaches from 75 countries, half of whom just wanted to become better. The other half actually are coaches. And then most recently created a new company called Heroic Public Benefit Corporation. We're still months away from launching our private beta, which is going to be a social platform. My background entrepreneurially, I've built and sold two social sites like Facebook. Yeah, but we're currently raising money for that. And the response has just been amazing. So raising $11 million exclusively from our community. We're going to have 75 different countries represented. And just putting everything we talked about into practice, like that's my big thing is let's go. You know, this is the time for us to step up. And I like to say, serve heroically. What are you here to do? Let's go do it and then make it fun. You know, have the gratitude, approach it with a celebratory energy and make it one big game to go out and see what you're capable of doing in service to the world. That's the basic gestalt. Well, very good, Brian. Appreciate you joining me. Heroes.us, optimize.me, optimize.me slash side hustle. I think we'll have a little discount for side hustle show listeners after the free trial over there. Again, this is an app that's been uh, on the home screen of my phone for years now. Really cool stuff in there. Brian, let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Yeah, well, first, thank you. Appreciate the conversation. Really enjoyed it. Got me all fired up. I think my question to you would be, what is it you know you need to do? What gap do you know you need to close? Believe you can do it, get committed to doing it, and then go do it. That would be my thing. Moving from theory to practice to mastery on whatever you just know could really move your life forward. That would be my number one thing, <laughs> which will be you know idiosyncratically different for each of us, yet it's always there and it's always an opportunity to kind of take it and run with it. I like that phrasing. What do you know you need to do? And it's like, we usually do know, but we procrastinate or hesitate or second guess or take the easy road. And it's, I mean, that's the whole weight loss industry. We know what we need to do, yet there's $60 billion plus industry based on telling people and uh, holding people accountable and all this stuff. Totally. But here's the thing. We want to make it fun. So quit making it a pain. It's not a chore. It's a gift to yourself. It's not a sacrifice. It's a GSP decision. And then you get on this upward spiral and you realize, oh my God, if I do do that and then I do this and I stack this with that, you become a different person. And again, we have a scientifically proven protocol in our mastery series. We hear this again and again and again, but it's the fundamentals, the things you might be ignoring that we need to approach with that Kobe Bryant intensity and joyfully. And you literally can fundamentally change your life. And this time next year, look back and go, what? And then it gets exciting because you get curious of well, what am I really capable of? Because I was driving with my brakes on. We're putting sand in my gas tank or engine or whatever. Um, so I think that joy, you know, that real celebratory, this is one big game when you approach it right. And we need us to play that game well in service to the world if you care about our world, you know? So you kind of have the full connection. Yeah, let's go, right? Let's go. That's a great way to uh, wrap this thing up, Brian. I really appreciate you joining me. Let's go. If not now, then when? Thanks so much for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. All right. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Brian as much as I did. Motivating, encouraging, start stacking up some of those small wins and watch how they compound over the course of the year. Brian called the science and art of instilling great habits that run on autopilot the 
most important skill we can learn, programming your own algorithms, right? And I hope this conversation can serve as the foundation for some positive habits in your life. It all starts with where you want to go and who you want to be, and you can begin practicing that today. Remember, decisions and not sacrifices. Play some offense with your willpower. If you fall off, start again, start a new streak. And most of all, live with energy and bring that energy into your work and your love. Notes and links to all the resources mentioned are at sidehustlenation.com slash optimize. While you're there, be sure to download my free printable, editable habit tracker checklist that I created with some suggestions from Brian from this call, from myself, and with some space for you to fill in the blanks on the habits that you most want to track as well. That's at sidehustlenation.com slash optimize, or you can go grab that through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.